Hello, hello, I'm Lisa Marie and welcome to the Macro Coach Pro Podcast. Over the last seven years, I've scaled my macro coaching business to transform hundreds of women's lives with a balanced lifestyle approach to health and fitness. And now I'm helping online coaches like you do the same. I'll be sharing my secrets and industry-leading strategies with you. Whether you're on a personal fitness journey or looking to get epic results for your clients, the Macro Coach Pro Podcast is for you. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode. I am so proud of you for being here and continuing to listen to this podcast and improve your skill set and keep your motivation strong. And if you're getting your steps done right now, like I'm so proud of you if you're sitting in the car on your way to or from work. I hope you drive safe. Or if you're just listening to this, I mean, I listen to my podcast when I get my lashes done. And so sometimes I fall asleep in the middle of them. But regardless, with whatever you're doing right now, I'm so happy you're here. This episode is for my macro coaches because we're going over the number one problem I see with macro coaches and how I'm going to help you solve it uh, because this is something I struggled with so freaking bad when I first started coaching. And that was kind of this black and white thinking. And it's interesting that I say that because that's also what I help my fitness clients with is like, it's not black and white. Don't be all in or all out, but it's a different type of black and white thinking um, in terms of what I'm talking about today. So what I mean by this black or white thinking is macro coaches come to me. I see it in my DMs. I've thought this myself. I work with other macro coaches in my mentorship program who ask me questions like this, but they're asking me, okay, Lisa Marie, when I read you know, this thing in literature or I learn this thing from my course or I learn this type of like guideline from my certification, like, you know, I I need to do it, right? Or like, you know, don't I just do this when this happens? I see it a lot of the time with reverse diets. It's like, oh, someone, you know, under eight. And so now they need a reverse or with workouts of like someone wants to, you know, build muscle. So they need to do five to seven exercises in the gym. And it's very, again, black and white. And while I agree that we need to be like, educated, right? And have evidence-based types of protocols in place. And we need to, you know, be working from a place of like, okay, this is what I understand about physiology. And like, this is what I know to be true. And like, we need to like have the background in education to like apply our knowledge from somewhere. I also think that with everything that goes on as a coach, whether you're a, a fitness coach, nutrition coach, or both, Whenever you're questioning of like what I should do or is this right or how should I program someone, I want you to come from the lens of context is everything. And I probably get a bunch of eye rolls from my (laughs) mentee clients who ask me questions of like generalistic questions like what should I do when X happens with a client? I'm always like, it depends. (laughs) And I know I get those eye rolls, but that's why I ask them more questions of like, tell me more about the client. Tell me more about the situation because it's really important. And I cannot stress enough the importance of knowing who we are working with, what their goals are, and what we know to be true about physiology. Because I truly believe like the, the perfect coaching equation is made up of three things. One, physiology 
what we know to be true about like the human body and like science and um, basically what they teach you in like certification courses, right? But part of that equation is also not just physiology, but is also like experience and what we know to be true about like that client, right? So basically it's three parts. It's physiology. It's just based on experience, what we know to be true and like that individual that we're working with because every human is different. A protocol could work perfectly for one person and horribly for the other person. And so based on all of those things, we make judgment calls and we kind of need to go with our gut. And I want you to move away from thinking like, oh, there is a right answer because there's always multiple answers. It's the same with running a business. Like I've worked with business coaches in the past. I've, you know, learned a bunch of different things from really cool people. And what I know to be true is there is no magic answer to like building a business. We just need to do what is aligned, what we're going to be consistent with and what feels good for us. And, you know, obviously like there's basic business principles, right? Of like, be a good coach, have good retention, be good at sales, have good marketing, know your ideal client, all those. I'm not talking about that. Just like there's fundamentals in um, like fitness coaching. (laughs) So those fundamentals are obviously like to lose weight, we need to be in a calorie deficit, right? But there is no just one answer. Context is everything. So here's a couple of examples. The FDA and, you know, other certain organizations like the PAGA, which is like, you know, those broad guidelines for just like movement and physical activity, they recommend certain guidelines for like food and exercise and all these things. Just even I think of like the food pyramid, right? Like some of that stuff is outdated, but a lot of it too is based off of like general guidelines for the general population. And so when you're reading these things in studies or in research or just looking at like the USDA guidelines or the FDA or the PAGA for physical activity, you have to think like, okay, those guidelines are cool and all, but does my ideal client fall into that demographic? And does my client like have maybe different goals than like just a general population client? Because a lot of clients that at least come to my program and probably yours, yes, they want to lose weight, but they also want to look toned. They want to feel strong. They want to change their body composition. That is very different from someone who's like, I just need to move more. And so when you have people like saying, oh, you eat so much protein or like, you know, you don't, you shouldn't lift weights to look, you'll look bulky or whatever. Like that comes from a very generalistic approach. And not all of those guidelines are going to fit someone who actually wants to put on some muscle mass. Um, So context is everything. And so that's why it's really important for us to, one, know our client really well, two, know their goals, their current health status, their dieting history. Because when we're applying any sort of protocol to our clients, we have to have those things in mind. So The other example would be like reverse diets, okay? So reverse diets are so beneficial to certain populations of people. But even if 
you are like a stress cadet who undereats and overtrains and has gut issues, like a reverse may ex- actually like exacerbate your gut issues and adding in more food to an already like stressed out gut may not actually be the best for that client. So you can't just say, oh, someone who's been under eating needs reverse. Like that's not true. And everything is contextual. And so take your protocols, take your learnings, take your you know knowledge and always put it under the lens of your specific client, their specific goals, and and your client's specific background. And a really good coach weaves this all in. They're able to weave in what they know about physiology, what they know from just their experience of being a coach, what they know about their client, and then they're able to make a judgment call. And your judgment call is basically your draft plan. Because remember, everything is figureoutable. We're able to adjust protocols. We're monitoring our clients every single week, sometimes every single day. And so don't feel like you have to even come up with like the most magical and perfect like program for your client, like obviously put effort into it, but you may have to switch things up and that's okay. And don't think just because, oh, I told my client she needs to reverse, now I have to reverse her. Or I told my client she could diet and now I can't reverse her. It's like, no, we can always change the plan. And you need to know how to communicate that plan, even from the get, right? Like I've had clients where I'm like, okay, I think you need a reverse, but I'm actually not sure based on X, Y, Z. So here's the game plan for like the first seven to 14 days. I'm going to assess your progress and I'll let you know if like, this is the current game plan. And then maybe I'll ask some follow-up questions of like, hey, I just don't have enough information from you to like assign you a nutritional phase. Um, Can you give me more insight onto blank? Or maybe they're like, oh, I I don't really know how much I've been eating. You're like, okay, well, that's totally fine. It's my job as a coach to like give you the best plan possible. So we're gonna do some like food logging and some food auditing for the next couple of weeks so I can really assess your metabolism and like your health status. And like, then we can come up with a plan and not waste any time, like trying to diet you or trying to reverse you if like, that's not really what we need. And if you're educating the client on that process and you're just being upfront and real and honest and very transparent of like, this is the information I need to gather still, you gave me a great intake form, but like, I just got to learn your body a little bit better they will appreciate that. No one's going to be in a rush for you to make a guess on what's going to work for them if you truly don't really know. But even if you have this like perfect laid out plan, know that you're still using your best judgment call and like, that's okay, right? Like you don't know everything there is to know about that client before even working with them. And so don't be afraid to, you know, adjust the plan as you go and prepare your clients for that type of discussion. So, you know, my biggest advice with that, and then I'm going to tell you how we can solve this is make sure you're reviewing your research, right? Like research and evidence-based practices is, is really great, right? Like obviously study your textbooks, take the certification programs, but what is what is most important is that we are giving ourselves the experience and the grace and the flexibility to learn from just 
not even this like messy action of taking on clients, but not having everything super figured out. So I think the best way to solve this, and this is a situation that I came into when I first started coaching is I didn't feel super confident in, you know, having enough experience or, you know, I had all these like textbooks book certifications, but like that actual practical application or having someone to like bounce ideas off of, of like, Hey, I have this client, like, you know, maybe they need a reverse. Here's what's going on. Like, what would you do? Like that just like, wasn't available to me. Um, and I felt really alone in that. And I think that's what helped me like gain so much experience and like be a really good coach is because I had to like, just kind of like be in the trenches and like weave through it all. But like it took me a a good bit of time to like get to the point of confidence I feel today. Like, I don't know if you guys know this, but I started coaching in 2017 and I didn't feel truly confident in my coaching skills until 2020. That's three years of imposter syndrome. That's three years of undercharging. That's three years of being scared to take on clients and go full time. Like, I don't want it to take three years for you. I want to collapse that time. And I want you to be way more confident in your decision making for your clients. And I think just if you can just listen to this podcast and remember me telling you it's okay if you don't know 100% what you're doing, but you have to give some sort of protocols. And then you just have to know how to assess your client's biofeedback, their progress, their check-ins so that you can make tweaks and know that that's okay. And obviously we want to be in our scope, right? Like don't take on a functional client if you have no idea how to read labs (laughs) and don't take on people who are trying to lose weight if you like don't know how to calculate macros or don't be reviewing biofeedback if you like don't know how to improve it and optimize it. But if you have the foundational skills or you can help someone that needed your help, like, you know, like that is maybe a couple years behind you, like that's totally fine. But I'm here to tell you, just remember that everything is context dependent and you really won't know how it's all going to work out until you practice with clients and until you see and get to know your client's body, how they respond to protocols and different strategies. Um, Because again, there is no magical answer. There is no magical, and this, this one actually pissed me off a little bit. There is no magical answer of like how long a client should be at maintenance for. And that really made me mad because I was like, I want to know after a client is redone reversing, how long they need to be in maintenance for. And it always made me mad when a couple of my mentors were like, it depends. And, you know, I even had, you know, like I did some deep dives into all these different studies and like, you know, chatting with like Sam Miller and, and all these people about this. And I was like, just tell me the answer. And they're like, it, it really depends, Lisa Marie. You're not going to get an answer on this one. Um, but that's okay, right? Like, you can still be an evidence-based coach and say like there is quite literally no evidence to, at least right now, right, to really back up like how long um, it takes to for people to like adapt because like adapt to like maintenance calories using the maintenance phase example because it depends on their dieting history. It depends on their calorie amount. It depends on their hormonal status. It depends on 
you know, how consistent they are, how long they were in a deficit for, like, you know, all these different things. Um, and so there's guidelines we should follow, right? It's not like you should go in and the client's like, well, you know, after my reverse, how long do I have to stay in maintenance for? You're not going to tell them like, well, actually, I don't know because it's different for everyone. And so we're just going to like go for as long as we can and hope for the best. Like, no, that's not what we're doing. You can study the guidelines. You can study the evidence. You can study the research and what you know to be true about working with other clients that are similar to that client avatar and say, yeah, you've been under eating for a couple years or yeah, you've been under eating for just a few months. Like, this is how long I would like your maintenance phase to be because it, this is tip, typically about how long it takes and then we'll start your deficit. Um, and again, letting them know like, hey, we, we may need to be in maintenance longer. We may not, but, you know, that's just an example. Um, but I just remember being really frustrated when I had questions like that and some questions, it's just not black and white like that. And when we start to generalize things like, I took a certification that told us um, to keep clients in maintenance for three months before we dieted them. And like that, that is what I was taught in one of my first certifications. And I just know that that is not true. And to create a blanket statement like that, I I get why they did that because it's like you have to have some sort of like guideline and some sort of like number for people to go over. But when we have those blanket statements – we're kind of creating cookie cutter programs. And then you have these people that claim they do customized coaching, but they only know cookie cutter protocols, which is not good. Um, and so I wish that course would have been a little bit more like, hey, we really don't know, but these are different types of clients. And if you have a client that kind of fits into this type of client, maybe try to have their maintenance around this amount of time. And again, that's just an example, but um, like, because everything is super context dependent. So here's how I think like we should solve this whole conundrum of like, maybe you're like, okay, Lisa Marie, like I get it. It's context dependent, but like, how do I get help with this? And yes, I have like the textbook knowledge. I have experience with some clients. So like, how do I piece this all together to provide protocols and like be okay with maybe not having certain black and white answers? And maybe if I'm struggling with something like, what do I do? And what I think you should do is, you know, bounce ideas off of like other coaches, like start connecting and networking with other coaches in your space, in your circle, in your bubble. And talk to each other, like, like hear their experiences and what they've, they've gone through and, and share yours. And just having someone to bounce ideas off of in that way, super, super helpful. Um, I do have a Facebook group for this, by the way. Um, this is a totally shameless plug, but this is like part of why I created that Facebook page. It's called the Macro Coach Community. You can search it on Facebook or you can, there's a link in my Instagram bio and I'll, I guess I'll just link it in the show notes too. Um, But that is a really safe space for you to post like client case studies or just client problems or, you know, be like, hey, I have this client. I program them this way. Like, what do you all think about this? And when you have a bunch of heads working together, 
that is like so, so helpful because people could be like, yeah, I had a client similar to that and like this is what I did and it really worked for her. And, you know, it's just like that idea generation that is not really available when you're studying a like for a certification or it's just not really available when you don't have coworkers that you can just like bounce into their office and and hit up their like cubicle and be like, yo, I got this client. You know, what should I do? The online coaching space can be very lonely in that way. And sometimes you feel isolated and you're like, am I doing the right thing? Like, are other coaches doing this too? Like, am I doing everything I could be doing? And so that's why I created that Facebook group is to have like bridge that gap and 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 help other people. And I'm in that Facebook group, obviously. So if you post anything in there, like I will help you or I will tell you what I would do for that client. And that can help improve any sort of like imposter syndrome, self-doubt, or just be like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. And again, have kind of like that practical application experience and someone to have someone to bounce ideas off of. Um, So that's, you know, one way, join the Facebook group. (laughs) Another way, like I said, is to just chat with more other macro coaches. And this is and don't come across as like creepy or anything, but just like get to know other people in the space. Like I'm in my DMs. I like a lot and I talk with people in there and I like to connect with other people. (laughs) And sometimes it's funny because people are like, "Mm, like, I feel like, you know, are you like a business coach or something? Like I'm not interested in business coaching. I'm like, no, I'm really not a business coach. Um, I'm just like genuinely curious as to, you know, how you do things for clients because I'm a forever student. Um, I like grew up in the education space. I just love learning and I don't see us as in competition with each other as macro coaches, right? Like I, uh, I love the saying like empowered women, empower women. Like it's so true. Like we can all be better coaches together And even if we offer the same thing, you know, like we're we're still going to say it in a different way and we're still going to be someone's perfect fit. And so like there's enough space for all of us to like be really successful. And so that's why I really encourage you to like talk with other macro coaches and just like network and like bounce ideas off of each other. So that's my two cents with all of this. Um, I hope I see you all in the Facebook group. Definitely post your client case studies and be on the lookout, you all, because I am coming out with a certification course in October. You've probably heard me talk about this. It's called Macro Coach Pro. You guys helped in voting for a name for it. So thank you, you all, for who you voted, um, all who voted on my stories. But this certification course is going to kind of bridge that gap for people who really want that practical application and just that kind of mentorship and really learning how to really like get into a online coaching program and really know what to do in different certain client situations. Um, So there's more to come. That's all I'm going to say right now. Um, But I'm excited for that course to come out because I think it's just going to help. But for now, I'll see you in the Facebook group. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your walk if you're getting your steps in. Enjoy the rest of your drive if you're driving um, or if you're just hanging out at home or whatever. Thank you for being here. And I'll catch you all on the next episode.
Congrats on finishing an episode of the Macro Coach Pro podcast. If you learned something new, share and tag me on Instagram. And don't forget to join the Macro Coach community on Facebook. You can click the link in the show notes. Until next time, bye friends.